We'll start with the set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your spiritual truth. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy on me, a sinner. Help me to carry your message today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we, uh, for those listening on the podcast, you know we've been on uh, the steps we took. And um, we're going to finish up this chapter and actually left my book in the car. So uh, I don't have my notes. So we'll have to figure out where we left off so I don't review. And then after we finish this, and we're going to look at the spiritual checklist card um, today, which is on the site, experiencethebigbook.org. And we're going to look at the uh, St. Francis prayer. To me, six and seven are the, it's called the pinnacle of the program. Uh, it said it's the steps that separate the men from the boys or the girls from the women. It's the step I use all the time, like James said, to keep me from getting undisturbed, to get centered back to God quickly. It's not a step that I do once. I have to do it all the time, every day for the rest of my life. And how well I do that is reflected in my day. And when we inventory nights, as we look back, where were we selfish, dishonest, resentful, or fearful? Were we kind and loving to all? What could we have done better? So at night, you can look back and see where you weren't doing six and seven right in the moment. And so in this uh, chapter that we've been looking at by uh, Joe McHugh, which was written, I think, in 1990-something, by two people sat and uh, listened to him. He, he taught the big book for about 17 years, three weekends a week, a, a year, uh, 35 weekends a year or more with Charlie. And they changed, the, they changed the name of the game. They kept the big book alive when treatment centers were becoming the thing and we have group therapy and this and that. They kept the book and the steps alive, went throughout the country and traveled the world. And when I first listened to their, uh, I'd been coming to meetings for several years, and I had no idea what the program of AA was till I listened to Joe and Charlie and understood the book and the program. And so they've, they, they literally have helped save my life. And so we're on page 101, and um, the big book, of course, only has two paragraphs on six and seven. And uh, the reason for that is that it was obvious after you did steps four and five what your character defects were and how you didn't want to practice them anymore and that they were all blocking you from God. So it was understood that you would do this all the time. And of course, they didn't have the big book uh, when they were working the steps for the first four years. They had cards which they kept each day and they had the character defects they're, they're on one side and they had God's character on the other and they would make check marks during the day when they did practice their character and not God's character and then they would make check marks when they practiced God's character and then they would compare them to see uh, and, and look at it and learn from that and pray over it. On, at this part we're getting to the end of it. The um, He talks in this uh, thing about the spirituality of subtraction, which Joe and Charlie talk about a lot, that uh, nature doesn't have a vacuum, that if you 
If you remove something from yourself, God will fill it. And that's what six and seven is. And James mentioned pausing, which we can look at too, the final instructions on the steps on page 87, 88. I have to pause when I'm agitated, doubtful, and I have to ask God for the right thought or action. And basically I'm saying, God, I'm on my left-hand side of this inventory card. I'm practicing my personality. Stop, Michael. Practice my personality. And as soon as I stop and let him in, it'll automatically be gone and he'll replace it. And that's what's happened in my life. And then even the fact that I see today when I'm on the left-hand side is God working in my life. Because before that, I didn't even know. I thought that was my personality. And I was always right. Well, that wasn't true. I was always wrong. When I was impatient, there was always a good reason why I should be impatient. I did have a spiritual breakthrough once. Uh, this was years ago. I was in recovery and I was driving to this meeting and I was running a little late. And the traffic was so slow on Arrowhead. And didn't they know that I had to get to the meeting to open up? And it occurred to me, it was like a blinding light. Michael, if you'd left five minutes earlier, you wouldn't be disturbed. Now, I could never have done that before I started working these steps, and that, that was God. I'll never forget that. It's happened again, so I have to remind myself of that. And it says, here's how it works. When you get rid of a character defect, you have overcome a shortcoming. A shortcoming is I'm short of God's character. So if I'm frightened, I'm short of courage. Or if I'm inconsiderate, I'm sure, short of consideration. It's practically automatic. By nature's law, there can't be a void. There's no void in the universe. Something rushes in to fill a void. So if you're willing to let go of a defect, the void it leaves is going to be filled by the opposite. Fear is going to be replaced by courage, resentments with love, patience, tolerance, and understanding, goodwill towards others. You can't be resentful and loving at the same time. It just doesn't happen. When you let go of one, it's not going to leave a hole, a blank spot. This positive thing will be there to take its place. No many had to teach me love, tolerance, and patience. They didn't have to teach me, but I had to learn to practice it. I had love, tolerance, and patience, but I didn't practice it. I'd never used them, you see, but they were there. So six and seven is an action step. It's an action of practicing this. This process is sometimes frightening. I'm some kind of freak, he said, because I don't have that positive quality. I've never had done that. Maybe I was created without the ability and I have to learn it. I didn't have to learn it though. When I got rid of other things, it was already there. He says he has a pretty rocking chair down in his office and he, he lived in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Little Rock, and he had a treatment center that he started uh, in the uh, 70s, and, and during he sobered up in the early 60s when the uh, National Guard was in Little Rock trying to enforce the uh, integration policies of the United States, and they let him, he was the only black man in AA in that meeting, they let him live in their AA house, and he had no place to live. And so there wasn't uh, anything of value, but there was this old rocking chair. It was a horrible looking mess, painted black with one of the rungs broken out of the back of it. 
I decided I'd keep it thinking maybe one of these days I might put it together. Quite a few years went by and it just sat in the attic. Several times some of the guys tempted me to throw it away. In fact, I'd find it around by the dumpster and I'd bring it back saying I was going to look at it one of these days. So I finally got this old rocking chair out of the attic and into the light downstairs so I could really see it and began to look at it and saw that it was really a fine chair. And that's what we do in steps four and five. We peel away the stuff that, that was, we created in self-will, in our character, our shame and guilt. I got some paint stripper, I began to strip it. I stripped all the paint away and found that it was solid oak. I took the old raggedy bottom that had been covered over many, many times with different cloth and with tacks, and I tore it off and threw it away. There was one broken rung, and I made an identical one by bending one and putting it in there. I sanded and sanded and refinished this chair. Finally, I took it to the upholstery shop. I asked the man there how much it would cost to put a nice white velvet bottom in it. He looked at it and said, I'll be glad to put it in there, but before I fix it, I'll offer you $350 for that chair. That beautiful, valuable chair was always there. It was there all the time. It was simply covered up, and that's what we do. Remember, in step four, we're gonna unblock, face and be rid of the things that are blocking us from God's direction. Remember, liquor's just a symptom. We drink because we've covered up God's character, and we're practicing ours, and we don't like the way we feel. But that's the way I am, and you are, with God's life inside us. God made us this way, beautiful and valuable. Like the rocking chair of a period of years, I covered myself up with all sorts of things and made a big mess. The steps of this program have enabled me to uncover, discover, and discard. All that isn't God. It's a program of getting rid of things to get down to what we want. It's not a program of getting anything. It's a program of getting rid of things, uncovering, discovering, and discard. My favorite Sandy Beach talk is one he did years ago, and it was on step 10, and it was how we've covered ourselves with mud when we come in here. We're just a mess, and what we do is we start washing away the mud, and then we see the real person that God created, and, and that gives us self-esteem. That makes us feel good about ourselves because we're being practicing God's character, and that's been true for me. When I look back, I have a lot of regrets. I have some shame and guilt for things I did. And I look back and say, well, that was me managing my life. That wasn't God. And I don't have to be that person today. Doesn't say you get perfect, but you're not the person you used to be. I believe that deep, and uncovering, discovering, discarding, that's what Chuck C. was saying. What else am I wrong about today? So I uncover in steps four and five, and I discover the truth, and then I want to discard all those things that are of no value to me. I don't want to have resentment and fear, and I don't want to have harmful actions, and I don't want to practice these character defects. I believe that deep down inside everyone is the fundamental idea of God. We might have covered it up, but it's there, and that's in the we agnostics. They go through that in detail. Regardless of what we see in the most, and what I cover up with, my plan, what I wanted in life, what I thought would make me happy, how I wanted them to change so I would be happy. Regardless of what we see in the most horrible individual, down underneath he still has the qualities of God to live by. 
He may not be using them and we may punish him for his actions, but he has created with these things, these God qualities, each and every one of us. And we don't have to go out and look for them. We don't have to get smart. We don't have to study. We don't have to pass a test. All we have to do is convince ourselves that they're already there. And our personalities are just like gold. You really have to dig to get it. Now, if you don't do a digging, you're not gonna get it. Remember, this is a program of action, not a thinking. I can't think, oh, I wanna do better. I'm not gonna practice my character defects today. Does that work for anybody? No. It still doesn't work. I need God. That's, if gold could be found all over the streets, everybody could get all they wanted. That might be great, but then gold wouldn't have any value. There would be too much of it and it would be too easily found. He says, it's the same way with life. I may take a lot of digging, scraping, a lot of mining, but that's what I'm doing in six and seven. But remember, we're mining for gold. Now remember six and seven, I've gotten better at it through the years. When I started, I wasn't good at it. I wasn't good at all but I had to keep practicing. That's why you have a sponsor, so you can talk to him each day and say, well, this is what happened today. And he'll say, well, well, really? And uh, maybe, why did you react that way? And you talk about it, and he shows you how six and seven, you do it, you wouldn't have gotten disturbed. And now I've gotten better at it, but I still need to work at it. Why do I hold on to a character defect too long some days? I don't know. I used to give myself 30 seconds to be disturbed, you know. Then I said, well, why wait that long? Why not do 10 seconds? And then someday I'd be disturbed for a minute. I said, boy, that was a waste of time. And uh, this is how it works. We don't get perfect, but we see what we need to do. This looking into ourselves and going after our own gold, it's our God qualities. Of course, this gold mining we're talking about is a lifetime task. But whatever our immediate problem is, our compulsion or addiction, we can be surprised at the progress we make in a few months. And it says, I have to make a change sufficient to recover. We may have a change sufficient to recover in 100 days. You can have it in last. It doesn't have to be 100 days. Bill, and Bill changed in a few days and went with, uh, uh, Dr. Bob changed in a few days and went with Bill to find A number three after he was sober for 48 hours. According to the big book, we can change the personality by using the principles in six and seven, by working against some traits. Then we go on and on with the process for the rest of our lives. The first early changes get us on the road. You have to do four and five to be able to do six and seven. Anybody get that? They're numbered. And I suggest doing four and five exactly like it is in the big book. It's very simple. But if you don't do it that way, I don't know what result you'll have. It may work for you, but it didn't work for me. I've done this, and this has helped me, and this is what they wrote helped them. And it's only like, uh, what, how many pages? 11 pages to do step four and five. Um, like with patience, for example, you can't really work on patience, but if you use patience, you see the power of it, the power of your ability to wait. I like to try to practice patient, especially when I'm impatient, because I say, well, wrong again, Michael. And then as soon as I say wrong again, I don't have anything to do, relax. God gives me patience, and I feel so much better right away. It's, it's instantaneous. Uh, sitting and waiting for the street light to change. Anybody ever bothered by the lights? Even little things such as this can make us impatient. 
Well, you've got to sit there anyway. You might as well enjoy it. I have had a lot of people tell me that in reading directions for glue, the directions say, wait five minutes. Well, well this doesn't apply to us. You know why? Because alcoholics never read directions. I thought that was funny. Nobody asked. In two minutes, they're putting their finger in there because they don't have the little bit of patience to wait. Patience is accepting God's timing in life. That's the other thing. I have a lot of uh, people I know and call me and I talk to them and they're impatient. They want things to happen. I can be the same way. But there's a timing in everything. And I have to ask God to remove my impatience and just do his will and play the role he assigns and things, put it in God's hands. There's a time process involved in everything. Patience is ability to allow time for things to work. The individual has to fit into the timing and patience is the ability to fit into the timing of life. And that's so true. I can't do certain things that I wanted impatient to do till I've gotten ready to be able to do them properly. And I didn't realize that. And if you don't like that, you get frustrated and irritated. Anybody ever do that? simply because we're not letting life happen. We're trying to make life happen on our time, which it never will. And that was one of the mistakes I made. So patience, the ability to wait to fit the timing of life is a powerful tool. We may get up every day and have plans. Anybody do that? The big book's very clear on that. When you, on awakening, you think of your plans for the day and they say, Wait a second, stop right now. And before you do that, it says, we ask God to direct my thinking, divorcing it from selfish desires, self-seeking motives. My plans are okay as long as they uh, correlate with seeking God's will. Most of us think about work. You're mentally trying to fit everything in, but you head for work and the fire department has the street blocked off. So what we're talking about here is the plans are great, but our plans have to be open to change. I had my days, plans had to be changed all the time at work because I was a cancer doctor and things happened all the time. And I had no idea what was gonna be coming in at noon or what was gonna, who was gonna call me at three o'clock. And I had to be prepared to change, let things happen. And sometimes I'd be worried about what I was gonna have to tell somebody at three o'clock at 10 in the morning. And then I'd say, well, it's not 3 o'clock yet. Let's, let's do what I have to do right now, Michael. And when 3 o'clock comes, we'll figure out how we deal with that. And then it would it'd be good. i get back in the now with God. Some days I have certain plans and everything falls into place. Isn't that great? So a good day is when everything falls into place. But that doesn't have to define good or bad. Every day could be good. I'll figure I can get everything done that I can. Other days it just won't happen. And uh, then he talks about reacting and not reacting. Sometimes others say, I wouldn't take that, or why don't you do this? We hear this kind of thing all the time. Tell them to F off, don't take that, stand up for yourself. But that's not healthy, right? It's not healthy. Sometimes it's better to let a sick person be sick. Remember, we talk about people who are spiritually ill, just like me. And if they're spiritually ill, then I can't change them, but I have to be loving, patient, and tolerant to them. Um, and then if you talk to someone, we, sometimes a person comes up to you full of resentments and says, I want to talk to you. I don't like this. You could simply say, well, you're right. You know, I'm sorry. You've changed the game. 
we can change the game with, with people in the world so we don't have to be in conflict with them and ourselves in ourselves. They could still be the way they are, but we don't, we don't have to react the way we did if we're spiritually fit. He says, if I, it's, life is like uh, uh, playing cards. If you're gonna play the cards with me, you can play with my deck, not yours. If you come up to me with resentments and I buy into your resentments, then I'm playing with your deck. And I don't wanna do that. Then I give them power over me. When you think you have to prove you're right and, and he's wrong, that's ego. Anybody ever do that? Let him be right or wrong. That's the way it is. If he doesn't want you to be right, He's not going to see it anyway. There's no point in arguing with somebody in that way. It's the way he feels about something, the way he's looking at it. He's probably always going to see that way. I like what Harry Truman said. They asked him if he ever made a mistake. He said, you're damn right. And it didn't take me all day to do it either. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's, that's what we're supposed to admit, our mistakes in step four. And, and every day, what could we have done better? What did we do wrong? There's something... Uh, shallow, uh, I will see a lot of fine people, they're always defending themselves. There's something shallow about that because they're defending themselves because they have low self-esteem and they want to have approval and they want to be right. But it's okay to be wrong. Sometimes people point out things less, maybe they're doing it with good intentions, not so much to put us down, but out of true concern. The more we can accept this as a person I develops, more and more people will be helping us in that way. But if we're real defensive, nobody's going to tell us anything. I've changed a lot in the way I do the meeting, the things I do, and all because people have come up to me and said something. And, and uh, I say, well, you know, they could be right. Maybe I need to do this. And uh, it's been better. We have to be open-minded. We have to be willing. A lot of times I've grown because somebody close to me would tell me when I'm wrong. I think that's growth. When you're always right and you know everything, nobody's going to tell you anything. That's so true. And then, uh, I remember when I was very new and going through it all these changes, a situation came at work and I got in an unpleasant discussion with the manager. I felt real bad about it. I saw that I was wrong. It was the first time in years I could remember seeing that. That was some growth taking place in me. I went to this guy, I'll never forget, he was closing up for the night, was counting money, he was preoccupied. I told him I wanted to talk to him. I said I wanted to make amends to him for what I said when this thing came up. What was that, he said. I went on to explain to him, he said, it was nothing. It just came under the heat of us being busy. I remember how good I felt when I went home that night. It was like experience of something brand new. I could see the value of it. And, and I've tried to practice that when I thought I was wrong and I need to make amends. I tried to do it right away that day. And it would give me freedom. I always felt better. I wasn't seeking approval or, or being right or wrong. I just knew I'd wronged them and I wanted to repair the damage. Remember, we know, know, we know the value of something until we put it into our stock and trade. Like a businessman, if he's selling shoddy goods, he'll never know how many customers he would have if he put something really good in. And he may never know what a truly successful business is. And he says, all of us are different people. No two of us have the same desires or motivations. Thank God we don't. We always have individual personalities. No two of us start from the same place, and that's true. No, none of us are gonna end up in the same place. 
But I think along the road, each one of us will fashion a much better life with the tools that change the programs give us. My life is much better today than it was when I came in, and it's better than it was 10 years ago, and it's better than it was two years ago. It just continues, the more I let go, the more I do this, the better my life is. And he says, uh, change is the name of the game. Remember, you have to have a personality change sufficient to recover from alcoholism. I can't practice my old self-centered characteristic and stay sober, usually. Maybe somebody can, but they're miserable. <coughs> and so we need to change. We have to have a God-centered personality. That's what we're talking about. And that doesn't mean we become perfect, not at all. But we have progress, not perfection. And we progress to a better place than where we used to be. As God reveals things to us, we can make changes and we can continue to grow and grow forever. We can give up and grow, give up and grow, and this is unending, and that's really true. I thought this was really a good chapter. It's one of the best things I've read about recovery. Now, I want to look at the spiritual checklist, and if you're listening on the podcast, you can get it on the site under Resources for Recovery. And I used to have one of these that I put on my desk, I put it in the, next to my chair downstairs. I put it next to my bed. And um, I remember one day, I had it on my desk, and it was really a chaotic day, and I was getting frazzled. And the, the sweet uh, nurse comes in. She goes, oh, doctor, it's been rough, hasn't it? She says, but you've covered up your card. And she was right, because they had ones on their desk, too. And, and they would, I would hear them out there saying, you know, you've covered up your card. And I did. I had, I, I had the chart on it. I moved the chart. And then I got centered. And things, things improved. And so when we, it, they talk about when we retire at night, and this is from the Joe and Charlie uh, uh, PDF that they have with, uh, that I copied 20-some years ago. Personality characteristics of self-will. I'm selfish and self-seeking. I was dishonest, frightened, inconsiderate, prideful, greedy, lustful, angry, envy, sloth, gluttony, impatient, intolerant, resentment, hate, harmful acts, self-pity, self-justification, self-importance. How do I feel? Restless, irritable, guilt, shame, and discontent. What does the doctor say in doctor's opinion? We're restless, irritable, discontent. And then our mind seeks the ease and comfort of alcohol. That's why we drink, because I'm living in self, I'm practicing these characteristics, and I don't feel good. And alcohol changed the perception of, of the way I saw things. It changed the way I felt. It was very powerful, wasn't it? It's good stuff. The problem is that it stopped working. And no matter how much I drank, when I woke up, I was still, it was, I couldn't drink enough to be okay. And it's because I was self-centered. Now, I don't need to drink. I just need to keep practicing the steps. And when I'm irritable, restless, discontent, I know I'm not separated from God. I just get back to God. God's a better solution than alcohol. Anybody agree with that? Much better. And I feel better than I've ever felt when I'm just being okay. Just being okay. I'm okay right now. I feel good right now. Uh, personality characteristics of God's will. Interest in others. Honest. Courage. Consideration. Humility. I didn't have much humility when I came in. Now I want to be more humble all the time. I want to be wrong. I want to be humble. 
I don't want to be right. Giving and sharing, doing for others, calm, grateful. I have people call me, they're all upset. I said, well, stop. What are you grateful for right now? And then they have to think for a moment. I said, well, good. You're sober, aren't you? You're alive. You have a wife. They're complaining about the wife. I said, be grateful you have one. Uh, you shouldn't. She should have left you. Take action, moderation, patience, tolerance, forgiveness. You see how it works? And then you're peaceful, serene, loving, content. Now, you don't stay on one side of the card all day. It's impossible. We're, we're human beings. But we, 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 every time we get on the left-hand side, I know I'm disturbed. I don't feel good. I just stop and say, God, help me right here. And there's, this, this uh, is six and seven is the final thing on page 87. Uh, Bill's not here today. He's, he's working. But this is, and it, it ends and it says, on the instructions on the first 11 steps, as we go through the day, we pause. That's the key. When agitated or doubtful, agitated, resentful, irritated, doubtful, fearful, resentment, fear. On the left-hand side, I have to pause. And I, and I do that now. I, I just pause. I'm impatient. Okay, pause. And God, give me patience. And the power of pause is a serenity prayer. God, give me the serenity, peace, pause, serenity, so I can see what I need to change or what I need to accept. And ask for the right thought or action. It's not complicated. God, what's the right thought or action? Right here. And I constantly remind ourselves, I'm no longer running the show. Humbly saying to myself each day, thy will be done. And then guess what happens? It says, I'm in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. Anybody do that? Yes, because I didn't pause. We've become much more efficient. I'm not wasting time. And we do not tire easily, for we're not burning up energy foolishly as I did when I was trying to arrange life to suit myself. I was exhausted when I got in here. It's exhausting running the world. It's exhausting being disturbed. So that's, uh, and it says it works, it really does. And then the last thing, I'm going over a little bit, don't yell at me. Uh, on the back is the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, this prayer was not written by St. Francis, it was found in the early 1900s in the basement of a church in France, and it was adapted very shortly by the uh, um, uh, Catholic Church and used as one of their, uh, uh, as the prayer, and they call it the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi because I think it identifies all the qualities that he expressed. And, and I love this, Lord, make me a channel of thy peace. That's what I want from God, to be a channel of his peace. And remember, Jesus said, I give you peace. And then it says in Romans that we get peace with God through our faith. And I want to be a channel. And so what do I do with that channel? Where there's hatred, I bring love. Where there's wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness. I don't want to bring hatred. I don't want to bring wrong. I want to be forgiving, loving. There's discord. I bring harmony. There's error. I want to bring truth, God's truth. Whereas doubt, I bring faith. Whereas despair, I may bring hope. Where there are shadows, I may bring light. Where there's sadness, I may bring joy. And this is six and seven all day long, right? And then here's Lord God grant that I may seek. This is what I want to seek. 
rather to comfort than to be comforted. That, when I read this, I said, wow, I always wanted to be comforted. But now I want to comfort, to understand than to be understood. I want to be understood. Now, I want to be a channel of God's peace. I want him to make me be a comforter and an understander and to love than to be loved. I always want to be loved. That's not important. I want to love. And then here's the best, for it is by self-forgetting that one finds. What do I find? The true me. I find a relationship with God. I find God's character. It's by forgiving that one is forgiven. And you see, if I don't forgive my resentments, I'm the one that's uh, suffering. And God forgives me because I forgive them. We say that every meeting. It is by dying to self that I awaken to eternal life. Isn't that something? Fantastic. So this prayer, this card has been a great help for me. And uh, I think uh, we've said enough about six and seven, and then we'll start on eight and nine uh, on Wednesday night. Thank you. We'll read the book.